So, Michelle. So, David. New government. Yeah, I know. I knew you'd be excited. Oh, look, I'm excited because my experience when I was working for ASIO is a new government always is an indication of change. Yeah. Now, a lot of people would sort of like go, well, how much change can you have? I mean, one of the things that was always interesting is you always got a new letterhead. Mm. They always changed the font and stuff like that. There was all that sort of stuff going on. But there's been some really big changes just in the last couple of weeks. I mean, how long have they been in power now? Two weeks. Yep. Yeah, about two weeks. Right. And there have been some very big shifts in the intelligence world and also the foreign affairs kind of world. Not that we talk about that today. I think that's a great idea. I mean, they kind of have hit the ground running and done some really good things in the Pacific. And also I want to talk about some of the things that led into the election as well. A couple of little things like a little spy ship off the West Australian coast, which somebody asked me about, one of our Twitter followers at Podcast, got in contact with us and I want to answer that question for them too. Yes, because there was some interesting stuff about how a previous government leveraged that information on the voting day. Oh, did they or did they or was it just at all a big pile of poop? Anyway, let's talk about it. <laughs> let's break it down. You're listening to I Spy, the unauthorised spy ship of Australian intelligence. No, it's okay. It's okay. No, hey, I'm 70 miles from you, mate. 12 miles in beep, one quite beep, beep, Just back beep, it up now. Beep. Yep. Oh, sorry, mate. You don't need to see you there. Hello and welcome to I Spy. My name is Michelle Stevenson. I'm here with David Callan and we're going to kind of have a little bit of a deconstruction of the election and the fallout. Yeah, things, pretty much. Well, which was very interesting. You know, a little ship. that little was boat. A little boat off little the boat coast. Off the coast. And how it was very conveniently happened on the day that we were all voting. And also, well, kind of Penny Wong, who um, I feel like has done some incredible things. Penny is going to be the final act of this because mm. that's the huge one. But yep. like, let's go down to the spy ship. Let's talk okay. about Peter Dutton's spy ship. I mean, we had the... Boat turned back on the day, mm. right? You know, oh, yeah, the AF Operation Sovereign Borders. borders you know, the uh, border force had stopped a yep. boat. And, but it all turned out, I think it was Karen Middleton in the Saturday paper who went, yeah, well, we actually got a phone call from a guy in Malaysia on the 29th of April going, oh, there's a couple of boats being pushed out here by the Malaysian police. So it really, that reeked and was very sus. But the, the spy ship, which is a really interesting one because it was spotted 70 nautical miles off the coast of Western Australia, mm. very close to the Harold E. Holt Naval Communications Base. Mm. Why do we keep naming nautical things after Harold Holt? I don't. Swear, I mean, because he's still out there. Yeah, I think that's it. Really. <laughs> it's it's that black sense of humour we have. Yeah. Now, the thing about the Harold E. Holt mm. uh, Naval Base is it's actually an incredibly important U.S. naval communications base. It used to be called Northwest Cape, and it's yep. now since been called the Harold E. Holt Naval Communication Base. I keep wanting call it HMAS, but it's not. Mm. Um, so it's a communication base using very low frequency radio waves to communicate with ships in the Pacific Ocean, which you think, hang on, it's on the Indian Ocean coast. Yeah. But it's the frequency is so low, it's literally penetrating the ground, I think. But it communicates with ships and submarines. Right. Right. So it's going to have some pretty high quality gear coming out of it, good intel coming out of it. Now, the thing is, the big thing that Peter Dutton said was, it's, it's, an, oh, it's an aggressive move. An aggressive move. God. It's an aggressive move and uh, uh, it's obviously an act of war and we need to bomb them now. Jeez, dude, calm down. down. Now, the thing is, this all comes down to what I like to call, and so does the UN, the law of the sea. Yes. Ready for a legal lesson? Uh, yeah, sure. Can't Strap wait. in. Go. Okay, so Australian territorial waters, mm. our sovereign waters extend 
12 nautical miles from the coast. Right. Right. So that is essentially our continental shelf. Now, interestingly enough, our continental shelf extends beyond 200 miles in some places because the other thing is we also have an exclusive economic zone 200 nautical miles off the coast. Right. Now, an exclusive economic zone means that's all the resources from the surface of the water right down to the substrata under the seabed. Mm. That's ours for economic and resource exploitation. Great. So that's ours. Yeah. Now, under the law, no one else is allowed to fish there, mine there, drill there, dig there, scour there, do anything there. But for that to become our exclusive property, mm. we cannot deny anyone right of navigation or overflight or to lay submarine cables or pipelines. Okay. Well, right. that makes sense. Cool. Right. Now, interestingly enough, there's another disputed, admittedly exclusive economic zone at the moment called the South China Sea. Mm. And one of the things that the Chinese keep doing is every time you go within 12 nautical miles of one of those islands we've built, mm. they go, hang on, you're in our sovereign waters. So if that ship, if that Little Chinese ship had come within 12 nautical miles of the coast. Yeah, now that's an aggressive act. Right. right. We can literally say, oi, get out of our water. But when he's 70 miles off. Got nothing. Now, the other thing is, they do it all the time. Also, like, they can do that. Like, they I, can. there is nothing against them doing it. Nothing. And look, we've had a Chinese spy ship actually parked at Fremantle while it was having one of its helicopters repaired a couple of years ago. We had a Chinese warship just appear in Sydney Harbour. But, I mean, when we look at it in retrospect, it all had to do with a tiny little thing called an election. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It was literally them going, oh, China's going to kill us. Now, that's the interesting Well, thing. and also, you know, there's this whole rhetoric behind the fact that the, if the Labor government gets in, then, you know, this is just going to become part of the norm. Yeah. But the interesting thing is it is part of the norm anyway. Mm. Uh, it's just the Liberal government wasn't, or the coalition government, were not reporting any of it. Right? So, you know, to have a Type 815 Dongjiao class spy ship, yeah. and that one was called the Hai Wenjing, yeah. which means Neptune. Okay. Yeah, nice. Nice. Right. They have those floating around. We have them off the coast of Queensland whenever we have joint exercises yep. with the US military. It's yep. like it's what we do. Our submarines generally were parking off the Chinese coast to do the same thing. Yeah. Right? So it's it's the price it's of doing the, it's, business. It's the done thing. It's business. Right. So that for the whole spy ship thing, I just as soon as it came up, I just went Oh, now you just really sound desperate. Mm. And I think everybody else did too. It was a really desperate thing. Now, changes in the intelligence community. You mm. ready for it? Yeah. Number one, we have a new home affairs minister, Claire O'Neill. Now, here's the really interesting thing about Claire O'Neill. Mm. I can't find anything about her. I know. It's really quite scary when yeah. you go, hang on, who is this? Now, the thing about Claire O'Neill was she was not first pick for home affairs. That was little Christine Keneally who didn't make the cut. Which is a good thing. Well, it's interesting. A lot of people say that. A lot of people don't like Christine Keneally. No, because she's not done anything. Well, she tried to run a state. No, badly. Uh, and she was like shadow home affairs minister. And she, to be perfectly honest, she could step up and really put it to Peter she, She's one of those politicians who's actually never actually been voted in. Yeah. So God knows what she's done. Or She's been voted in once, once and the rest of her career has been leveraged off who she knew. Yeah, it's been parachuting. Yeah. Right. So um, I'm sorry. Like no one. Now, now, unfortunately, no we lost we lost a shadow minister that was very experienced in that area, right? Yeah. She had focused and was very knowledgeable in that area. We now have a new one, uh, Claire O'Neill, who whose focus was really aged care, Indigenous issues, stuff like that. Mm. So it's going to be an interesting mix, but I also think that's a way of the Albanese government to take heat 
off Home Affairs. Home Affairs for the entire coalition government has been this really big and important department. I think they're trying to backtrack it a little, hmm. right? But she's also a second minister. We have a new – she's a new minister as well. She's the minister of cybersecurity. That's cool. Yeah. Now we're really taking it seriously. Yes. Right up there with Tony Burke becoming the Minister of Arts, we're taking things seriously again. I know. The two things that you are so into. Cybersecurity <laughs> and the arts. If I can get them to meet in the middle, I'll be the richest person on the planet. Yeah, look, I think I think it all makes absolute sense. Yeah. I mean, and something that rubbed a few people the wrong way is um, a Minister for the Republic. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting call, but I mean, they made that sort of That's a Labor platform. Yeah, It's yeah. a Labor platform. They made yeah, the, platform, the, the promise of we're going to look at it, but the whole thing is everyone's going, oh, it's all totally, totally woke, but it's like we're putting the minister there so for the second term, because they don't want to do anything about it until the second mm. term. So, But you know what? The Republic issue, god damn it. We're basically a Republic anyway. Yes. And I think, uh, wasn't it Keating who was in charge of that as well? Like he was in charge of a Republic portfolio at one point. Keating so, was. Yeah, so I think it's it's definitely something that's been on the Labor agenda for, uh, gosh. Well, yes. It was also Malcolm Turnbull. He was huge in the mm. Republican movement, mm. mainly because I think he wanted to be president. Yeah. He wants to be the first <laughs> president. You know what? I would not put it past him if we became a republic. I would have voted for him. I liked him. He'd go again. Right. Now, the other thing is AFP is Mm. no longer with Home Affairs. So where is it now? It's gone back to where it should have been all along. It's with the Attorney General. So Mark Dreyfus has taken it back. And this is one of the things they've been saying is we really want Mm. to get the AFP out of Home Affairs. It doesn't belong in Home Affairs. Right. It really belongs with the AG. Now, ASIO used to answer to the AG. It will stay with Home Affairs. And it makes sense because now that we've got customs, immigration, ONA and ASIS all in one package, that's great, right? AFP- the federal police should be with the Attorney General. It is crime and justice, and that is the Attorney General. Of course, Peter Dutton has jumped up and down and gone, you can't do that, it's terrible, it's, you know, uh, we won't be able to fight crime anymore, which is like, well, how did they fight crime before mm. if that's the case? And the other point being, why wouldn't ASIO and ONA and all the other guys share their intelligence Yep. With the AFP anyway. The interesting thing about it is as much as Peter Dutton is really angry about it, the AFP are stoked. They're really happy to be back with the AG. Mark yep. Dreyfus is really happy to have them back. I mean, it's a really important thing to have them there. It's so interesting. Like, why do governments do that? Why do they throw things around? Yes. Yeah. I, look, with when Home Affairs first got set up, I was a bit concerned because it became something of a super ministry mm. because you had intelligence and crime and immigration and customs. It's a lot. And border force all sort of rolled into this one big department and it was all under Peter Dutton. And I think it might have been- Because surely things would have got lost or missed. Well, yeah. we Well, that's interesting. We don't know that. We will find that out over time as Claire O'Neill goes Mm. through and goes, by the way, did anyone remember to like shut the gate? Yeah. Um, So I think what's really interesting is moving the AFP out Mm. of Home Affairs and putting it back with Attorney General, you're actually going to get a better AFP because they're not going to be answering to this Uber minister. They're going to be answering to the relevant minister. Right. So why why would that work in their favour? Like why is that better? Well, Attorney General is all about the law, right, and the uh, justice, the law, and how it is exercised in the country. And the police are a function of that. They are a function of the law. Therefore, to have them under the Attorney General, you're just going to get a better – it's a better fit. For me, it's a better fit to have the person who is literally like going, how does the law work and how do we apply it to the country? It's best to have the people that then have to apply that law working under the minister that is involved in creating it. Now, another thing about Mark Dreyfus being the AG is Witness K. 
Right. The Timor question. Dun, mm. dun, dun. Right. So, what's very interesting, and I only read it just today in The Guardian. Oh, look at me. I've been reading the Of paper. course you read The Guardian. I you read are everything. such a Guardian person. I read you, the- I bet you don't read The Daily Telegraph. Yeah, but from the back page. Yeah, you read the sport. I read the NRL and then I, I, then I when I get, it's basically when I get to basically either Andrew Bolt or Peter Credlin, I go. It's because you read it from the back, all the good stuff's at the front. <laughs> not really. I'm not, I'm not big on social news. Did you realise I'm not really big on society news? Uh, no, I didn't realise yeah, so that. Who was, who was at the latest opening? Oh, Michelle Stevenson. Oh, she gets an invite. <laughs> Of course I do. Someone went to Mary Poppins on a free ticket, not mm, me. Someone's going to the opening of Moulin Rouge as well. Oh, I nice. mean Good for you. Are you getting the are you getting the stage seats where you the can can seats? No, I don't know. I've got to buy can can seats for my wife for okay. her birthday. Yeah, see, I support the arts by paying for it. <laughs> you would take a free ticket if someone offered you. In a cold minute. Hey, I paid for tickets to Vivid, so we're going to Vivid straight after that. Oh, where are you going? Oh, we've got like Mad Racket is doing. A- oh, nice. Yes, okay. All right. So, anyway, we've done Anyway, let's get back to it. Yep. Right. So, interestingly enough, Rex Patrick, before yep. he left the Senate, wrote a letter to Mark Dreyfus yep. as soon as he knew that he was going to be AG, which was probably three weeks ago, and said, mate, you've got to do something about Bernard Caleri's prosecution. You've got to stop this. Mm. Because the only reason the prosecution is going ahead is because Christian Porter wrote a letter to the ACT prosecutor saying, prosecute this. Right. Now, for all of those who don't know about Witness K, simply put, and if you're listening to this, you should, it's all about the Timor cabinet room bugging. Timor yes. Leste back in 2004. We, we got massive egg on our face over that one. Oh, we got total egg on our face. And yeah. actually, we've got a bite-sized episode that will be kind of looking at what's going on there, but I do want to do a big yes. overall, a deep dive into this. And yep. if we can, I'd really like to get Mr. Cleary on board. Now, the thing is, David Pocock, uh, the yes. new independent senator for Canberra. Yep. And then there is Zoe Daniels. And there's quite a few of the independents and the cross- Teals. The Teals and the crossbench in the Senate have all approached Mark Dreyfus and said, you need to drop this prosecution. Mark Dreyfus himself has said, this prosecution is not correct. Right. They can still pursue the prosecution of Witness K, but pursuing Bernard Caleri for being the guy's lawyer is a little dodge, yeah. all right? So that's going to be an interesting point because if that happens, that means the Timor-Leste case is going to crack open a lot wider. Mm. We all know what happened and we all know the implications towards the minister in charge. Of course, the minister in charge of yep. ASIS is the foreign minister who happened to be a South Australian whose last name is Downer. Uh, what yeah. a perfect name for him too. Anyway, um, let's not get political. So that's a really important point. As well. So the intelligence community is shifting a little. Mm. Now, what was really interesting is we had ASIS, our mate Paul Simons, who's going to Graceland, Graceland, Memphis, Tennessee, and he'll have a schnitty and a Pinot Grigio <laughs> when he gets there. With right? his back to the, the wall. With his with his face to the door. Yeah. Right. He's suddenly been doing a lot of public speaking. Yeah, he has. Well, transparency. A lot of transparency. And I think it might also be a case of him going, I want to get in front of the ball now. I think he realised there was a very strong likelihood he was going to have a more proactive yep. foreign minister come in. And I think that's why he went, we need to get in front of the ball here before it starts falling in on us. What I find interesting about all of our intelligence chiefs, right? So ASIS, ASIO, ONA, DST, all of these men and women are exceptionally professional. Mm. Right? I can't see anyone looking at any of our current leaders of the intelligence organisations we've got and going, right, politically we've got to get rid of him. It's not a Phil Gaetchen's in BM&C where yeah. they went, 
yeah, Phil, thanks very much. All of those investigations really dodgy by, right? It is a case of I think the Labor government will be looking at these leaders going, yep, everyone seems to be in place and it's all working well. They're exceptionally professional. Mm. And they were very quick to call out any politicisation of intelligence that was going on, which leads us to, drumroll, yep. the Wongster. I love Penny Wong. Penny Wong. I know a lot of people don't like her, but I really like her. I really and, like her. And what was so great, A, I, I do believe the Labor government's kind of hit the ground running with a mm. few things, particularly with the Pacific. Yeah. And, you know, they've kind of really shown what can happen when you pay attention. Yeah. And, you know, she, she's been there twice in 10 days. And I think she's, got, she's off and, to Indonesia next week. Yes. And what really was astounding that on her first visit there after, you know, having meetings and conversations and saying, yes, you know, what climate change is an issue and we we do hear you and we want to reconnect then china all of a sudden pulled out ah now that's a really interesting point penny wong has probably had some surreptitious meetings with mm. um the chinese foreign minister though again in the interest of transparency probably not made a lot of. Yep. There was probably a lot of backroom negotiations. Mm. What's very interesting was Anthony Albanese, Prime Minister Albo's comment to China was, we'd love to talk to you. Mm. Take the tariffs off the table and we'll talk. Yep. So essentially it's like balls in your court, guys. Yeah. We want to talk and we do. There's a lot Australia and China can do together just on an economics yeah. front and China needs it. Yeah. Right. We need China. Well, because we've got the buildy dirt. Yeah, we've got the buildy dirt and the magic dirt. Um, <laughs> and we've got the, the Bernie air. We've got the gas <laughs> and they really want that and we really need it too. So there's all that sort of stuff going on. But what's really interesting was Albo turning around and basically going, look, we really want to talk. Mm. But we can't talk while you've got our head over a barrel, right? You've got to come to the table, mm. right? So get rid of the tariffs and then we'll talk. And to be perfectly frank, barley, coal, we don't, I don't really care about coal, but barley, lobsters and wine, China aren't going to get much better anywhere else. So mm. why bother? Why? It, it, it's all- uh, Cut your nose off to spite your face. Bingo. That was it. Those tariffs are punitive. Yes. They're not really- Major, except coal. They're not really major ones. And China are moving away from coal anyway. But the you know, barley and wine and lobsters, it's punitive. Mm. So get rid of it. Come on, get that off the table. We don't want to. And to be perfectly honest, it was such an adversarial relationship between the coalition government and the Chinese government that we've got an opportunity to actually get back in there. And I think it's important that we do. Now, now, what would you say to the people who are like, look at the human rights atrocities that China have committed? What about all of that stuff? Okay, um, that's a really good point and everybody's looking at that and going, uh, yeah, how do I square that circle? I'm not smart enough to know how to square that circle. I mean, I don't think we should. You could say the same for so many other countries well. As you well. could say it for I us. Mean, I mean, well, also Saudi Arabia, yeah, like, you know what I mean, the Arab countries, but we need the oil. Yeah, we, we need the oil or, you know, we could say that, you know, people can say that about us with the way we treat refugees. Yes. So there, there are human rights abuses across the planet. This is a pretty big one, right? What's yeah. going on in China? That's It's not great. The no. Uyghurs are not having a good time over there. But, you know, how do we rob Peter to pay Paul is yeah. basically what we're doing here. Now, the great thing with someone like Penny Wong, I love there's a great Mike Bowers tweet, photographer of The Guardian. Mm. Um, oh, Mike- look at you spreaking The Guardian. Oh, well, I, oh I, my God. Left, well, I paid left, my subscription. Le- oh, do you pay for The Guardian? You are such a left wing. No, no, I believe in supporting. Well, oh I pay for The Guardian. Oh, my God. I believe wait, 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 wait. free. Pay for The Guardian. <laughs> pay for The Sydney Morning Herald. Pay for The Australian. I pay, like, oh, okay. Otherwise, 
we yeah, lose good that. journalism if yeah. we don't pay for it, all right? So it's the same way I don't want to do my job for free. To be able to do it well, I want to make money. And by the way, please subscribe to Icebite Podcast. Yeah. Make us some money. <laughs> uh, just a quick plug. Yeah. Right, Mike Bowers. Let's get back to him. Mike Bowers has a great tweet and it just had it was two photos of Penny Wong and it was she's deployed the eyebrows. And it was photos yeah. of her in a Senate Estimates Committee where she's asked a question and some poor public servants go, I'll take that as a question on notice. And she's just like going, yeah. and the eyebrow is just arched. And it's like, oh, my God. If you were sitting on the other side of the table and saw that, you'd wet your pants. Well, Penny Wong, is, kind of, is she reminds you of like the aunt you never want to disappoint. Yeah, exactly. And I've met Penny Wong. Mm. Um, I was doing warm-up for Q&A of all things. She walks in and there was two politicians, a coalition politician and Penny Wong. I can't remember who the coalition mm. one was. But she said, I can only drink water. I couldn't possibly drink wine. And, ooh, and she was very, 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 very sort of hyper intense, mm. right, and had an entourage. And it was just like, God, just settle down. It's cool. And there's Penny Wong standing there with a glass of wine. And I always go around and introduce mm. myself to the guest. And also, can you please tell me exactly how you want to be introduced? Because I introduced them to the studio audience. Yeah. So I just walked up to Penny and I walked up to the – it was a minister in the government and said, you know, what's your name? So, oh, oh and, I, and your ministry? Oh, whatever. And I just sort of went, this is an introduction. This is me presenting you to an audience and you don't care what I say? Fine. And I turned around to – Penny Wong went, oh, excuse me, Miss Wong. She went, it's Penny, mate. I went, oh, oh thanks, Penny. Uh, Penny Wong, shadow minister. Yeah, okay, fine. Thanks very much. She just she went, she's a bit of an idiot, isn't she? And I went, yeah, just a bit. She yeah. Went, yeah. She, went, she just raised a glass of red wine to me and went, cheers. Went, cheers. <laughs> she's really, really nice. Yeah. But you know what? She's really nice until you cross her. And then I reckon she would cut you off at the knees. Yeah. So anyway, back on to China pulling out of the Pacific. Yeah, right. So they pulled, well- they haven't so much no, pulled I know, out of the Pacific. No, I know, but kind of, they've stepped back their rhetoric. Yeah, they've, they've really pulled mm. back. They're still doing the visits. Yeah. He's still The foreign minister is still doing his fly-by-night visits, but also it was when Samoa turned around and went, what do you think you're doing? Yeah. You know, they basically said, yeah, that's really good, but we don't want to be beholding to you. No. And that was the interesting point that Penny Wong made was, we're going to increase our aid, no strings attached. Yeah. Right, and that's and the, climate change. We're going to work yeah, on climate change, which is massive change. for them. Now, China aren't going to walk in there and go, "Yeah, we're going to, yeah, oh, yeah, we'll do something on climate change as well." As much as they say that, they're probably not going to, no. in so much as they're still burning, burning and coal. And they don't believe in anything for free, so they're not going to give them some foreign aid for no. Their, it's no the deal. whole Belt and Road thing yep. is very, very strong there. Yep. So, what is really interesting about what's going on in the Pacific with China is China have gone, hang on. Australia's actually playing the game again. Yeah. Because really, the coalition government did let the South Pacific fall into fallow. It like mm. They literally let the paddock go to weeds. They just forgot about it. There was not a lot of focus on it. There was not a lot of time spent on it. And because of that, mm. China were able to get in. Now we've got a very strong focus. The fact that we've had our foreign minister only for two weeks and she's already had two trips to the South Pacific. And also one thing that China did was China threatened New Zealand. And New Zealand turned around and went, no, sorry, we're not going to play this game either. Jacinta Ardern actually turned around and went, no. Uh, no, 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 don't threaten us like that. That's not nice. And you know, the way she went, no, that's not nice. I don't like it. It's okay? not nice. It's not nice. Sorry, bro, get out. You're not going to talk to us like that. And she did. She did the big, please don't talk to us like yeah. that again. And China went, okay, now we've gone too far. Yeah. Even China are like going, hang on. And you know what I think it is? The girls are in charge. Really? Yep. 
Man, if you want to get the world run properly, you guys do it. We're hopeless at it. I mean, we, we've been waiting for the opportunity because you've pretty much fucked it up from, from yeah. what I, I can see. <laughs> Look, I, you'll never get an argument from me. I mean, I am the biggest feminist in these pants in this room. Um, <laughs> and you're very lucky that I'm allowing you to wear pants. Yes. I mean, I would have worn my kilt, as you, you basically tell me to all the time. Yes. As my wife says, take those pants off. You're not big enough for them. Yes, miss. Um <laughs> No, 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 that's a, that's a very strange thing that happens in the bedroom. Um, anyway. All right. Yeah. No, the thing is, I think what's happening at the mm. moment is we've got a proactive government yep. that's also being very smart in the way they've leapt ahead and they're putting out yep. spot fires. And the South Pacific was a spot fire that could grow into a big bushfire and the last guy didn't hold a hose. Now we've got a couple of people that are standing there with hoses ready to put out any spot mm. fires that are running right now, but they're also being very, very cautious in how they proceed with that. As I said, turning around to the Chinese going, we'll come to the table. We really want to talk. We really want to get this relationship back on track. But you need to come to the table. We can't come all the way to you. You've got to come to us, get rid of the tariffs. Yeah. So I think they're being very cautious. They're not going to leap at anything. They're, they're taking their time. And I think, you know, the next couple of months are going to be very interesting in the intelligence thing because the other thing that's been flagged, and I do want to do an episode on this yeah. because Salty Sea Dog sent me an academic report on covert operations run by ASIO, yeah. or by ASIS, yeah. and how we have to totally change the way we do that. And I think that's another reason why ASIS has come out from the shadows to go, yeah, we're here to change. So right. there's going to be a lot of reform go on, particularly with our covert operations, so our foreign ops. Yeah. There's also going to be a lot of changes, I think, within home affairs. So, yeah, interesting times. Very interesting. And I think we've got a lot to look forward to talking about. Oh, you know what? I just like the fact that the change of government means we've got more grist for our mill. I know, more grist for our mill. And But what's fascinating is that we're already seeing it in action. And I think that that is just exciting to watch it play out from this perspective. Damn straight, they're on the ground and they are running. Like really fast. Yeah, quick. Listener.